Hi, it's Ellen, and today I'm going to be talking to you about the political stability of the Weimar Republic. Firstly, let's talk about President Hindenburg, who was Germany's president from 1925 to 1934. So what were his political views? Ultimately, Hindenburg was a monarchist, which means he wasn't a republican, and he also was not committed to democracy. As such, he attracted political groups who wanted an authoritarian system. So how did Hindenburg come to power? Friedrich Eber, his predecessor, died in 1925. Presidents were directly elected. However, the first round of votes were inconclusive. Right-wing political parties regrouped and supported a new candidate, General Paul von Hindenburg. Rather than unite with other left-wing parties, the communists put up their own candidate, Thelman, who got 6% of the vote. Hindenburg won the election by 3%. Hindenburg's use of Article 48. It is often noted that Hindenburg, especially in the early 1930s, used Article 48 quite a lot. However, he himself took an oath to uphold the constitution and he took this seriously and did nothing unconstitutional. Historians have noted that he did use Article 48, but so too did Eber. Hindenburg only intervened over the expropriation of Prince's lands. He said calls for a referendum on the issue would be unconstitutional. And this was agreed to by his chancellor, Luther. So we note that Hindenburg himself took an oath to uphold the constitution and took this seriously. And that he came to power in 1925 with an election where the right wing grouped together to support him. The left wing were undone by the communist decision to put forward Thelman, who was not supported by the whole left. There were many, many, many elections between 1924 and 1933 in the Weimar Republic, and this arguably suggests instability. So, to describe the elections between May 1924 and March 1933, there were May 1924, December 1924, May 1928, September 1930, July 1932, November 1932, and March 1933, which is a lot. In the second half of the 1920s, there was a growth in support of pro-Weimar parties. In May 1928, for example, 72.8% of the vote were for pro-Weimar parties. The DNVP even shifted its strategy to become a pro-Weimar party in the late 1920s. So between May 1924 and March 1933, there were 10 new coalition governments. But what were the attitudes of the elite? Pukka, in 1993, argued that there was a decline in the liberalism of the elite in the late 1920s. And this is shown, for example, in how the DDP lost ground. But we must remember that also anti-Weimar parties lost ground as well. The elites continued to resent Weimar. Industrialists, for example, resented the cost of the welfare state. Whereas the landed aristocracy, especially the Junkers, despised their loss of influence. The army, 
remained run by generals who desired a more authoritarian government, whilst many judges and civil servants looked back wistfully to the imperial Germany and all its glory. Bookbinder, in 1996, presented some ideas about opinion formers. He claimed that there was a lack of support for the Weimar Republic among opinion formers, which included teachers, newspaper editors and the clergy. Bookbinder says that the late 1920s was when real progress towards the creation of the Republic could have been made, as extremists had lost their popularity. Bookbinder blames a lack of inspiration from political leaders and insufficient encouragement from democracy among opinion formers, such as teachers. The middle class, who tended to be smaller industrialists and businessmen, tended to be socially conservative. So too were many middle class professionals, such as doctors, teachers and lawyers. Middle class professionals did not benefit from rising real wages in industry, nor did they benefit from the welfare state, and as such they often felt left behind by the Weimar Republic. The picture for the working class was rather different. About 40% of the electorate were working class, whether this be urban proletariat or agricultural labourers. The urban proletariat were often organised into trade unions that would fight for their interests. They tended to vote for the SPD or the KPD. Interestingly, the agricultural labourers did not tend to vote this way. Other voters voted according to their faith, or possibly for a regional or narrow interest party. So to recapitulate about the working class, we know that in urban areas, they tended to vote for the SBD or KPD, but this was not the case for those in rural areas. And going back to how many coalitions there were between May 1924 and March 1933, there was an astonishing number of 10. So what was the extent of political stability in Weimar Germany? Is the term golden age really justified? Evidence does suggest that there was instability. For example, coalitions were frequent because politicians were constantly bargaining to stay in power and thus discredited the parliamentary governments. We also know that there was a disconnect between voters and representatives in the Reichstag. This is because voters voted for a party list and the party then decided who would represent them. Alongside this, there was a growth of small, narrow, sectional interested parties. Only 60,000 votes were needed for a political party to get a deputy into the Reichstag. However, there was also stability in Weimar. For example, there was considerably less violence and insurrections between 1924 and 1929, in stark comparison to the period of 1919 to 1923. There was also growing support for moderate parties, as shown in the electoral statistics for parties such as the SPD. And there was a decline in political extremism, as shown in the need for parties such as the DNVP to change their political strategy. So evidence of political stability is shown in the decline in violence in 1924 to 1929 and the rise of support for moderate parties such as the SPD between 1924 and 1931.
However, there's also evidence about instability. For example, there was a disconnect between voters and representatives in the Reichstag. This is because voters voted for a party list and the party selected from this list on who was to represent them. There was also a growth in small, narrow parties as they only needed 60,000 votes to get a deputy in the Reichstag. And finally, if we recover the attitudes of the elite to Weimar Germany, we know that the elites continued to resent Weimar. Industrialists resented the cost of the welfare state, whereas the landed aristocracy resented the decline in influence. The army remained run by generals who sought a more authoritarian government, and judges and civil servants were not fully behind the Weimar Republic. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast about the political stability of Weimar Germany. Next time, we'll be considering Germany's position on the international stage. If this episode has got you in the mood for more revision, then head over to SenecaLearning.com, where you can revise all of your A-level subjects absolutely free. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Anchor, then you will find a link in the bio. But if not, just type in SenecaLearning.com and you'll find us. While you're at it, if you could rate us five stars and subscribe or follow to all of our revised podcasts, which cover every subject you need, then that will help other people to find our podcasts.